Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And today, after a historic building is converted into apartments, one tenant discovers that she may unknowingly have a roommate. Attending a sporting event for the first time as a child can be very exciting and educational, especially when you have a deceased, legendary athlete sitting right next to you. A listener shares the usual no- shares the unusual knowledge she has carried with her since early childhood. Could this knowledge be carried over from a previous life? And beware of what's in the closet as we have a story that we think about from now on when you change your sheets hmm (laughs) those stories your calls and more today on real ghost stories online i think about a lot of things when i change the sheets like did i eat chocolate in bed or is that not chocolate oh god tony (laughs) that's just gross what it's easter time you have the little chocolate eggs sometimes you forget you're eating them and you fall asleep and they First of all, you don't change the sheets, so you don't get to have those thoughts. Oh, I know, but if I did, that's what I would be thinking. I always assume it's chocolate. Always go with that. Just go with chocolate. And the funny part is, like, your family pets will think the same way either way. They'll be like, yeah, chocolate. Yeah. He's got to hope for the best. And on that note, welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online, everybody. Here to discuss you day in and day out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there you go. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number to uh, call in your real ghost story. Of course, you can uh, also write in through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Press subscribe, whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way we can continue to grow the show and uh, you will continue to get the latest episodes sent directly to you as they are released that's how that works please and thank you uh in advance for that let's kick off the show today with the uh, letter in from leslie 
Leslie writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. This is a story that may not seem frightening to you, but it definitely was a very scary experience for me since I was young when this happened. My mother had been talking with a foreign man who is now my stepfather ever since I was around four years old. Just when I was about to turn 10 years old, they decided to get married and had to leave to a different country with her. Since my stepfather was in Iraq, we were told to stay in his mother's house until he came. He arrived around a week later. My mother and I stayed in his brother's bedroom. I slept in the bed near the closet, and while my mom slept in the one pressed against the wall. I think it was the second night we had been staying there. It was around 11 p.m., and my mom was already sleeping, and so I decided to go to sleep, too. Got into bed, was beginning to fall asleep. All of a sudden, I could hear screams of a man and a woman right in my ears, but their screams sounded far away at the time. I was very scared, but didn't want to wake up my mom about what I was hearing, so I just buried myself under my blankets all the way up to my eyes and shut my eyes tightly. The screams continued on until I forced myself to go to sleep. The next morning, I told my mother about what had happened, and I asked her if she had heard anything last night, and she said no. We asked my stepfather's mother's uh, father and his brother if they had heard screams of a man and woman last night, but they didn't. I don't know if this would have anything to do with it, but there's a cemetery ten minutes away from where we were staying. My mother thinks it could have been a demon brought by negative energy. I have to mention that at the time I was very upset that I had to leave my father and brothers behind and had gotten physically sick, vomiting, and the trots. But even to this day, we have no idea what it was. Thanks for taking your time to read this. Leslie, P.S. You'll get two more paranormal stories from me, but these happened before I was even born. One was experienced by my mom and the other by my oldest brother. You know, disembodied voices and screams are the hardest because they're just that. They're disembodied. They're not attached to something, so you don't know where they're coming from or why they're there. Mm -hmm. Especially if nobody else heard it or was going to say anything about something having happened in that house. Cemetery 10 minutes away, yes or no, that's a little bit removed. So I, you know, that's a hard one. I know she said her bed was either in or near the closet. And for whatever reason, closets are scary, and apparently it doesn't matter what country you're in. There's a lot of anxiety and stress and sadness going on in her life at that time. Absolutely. So here's my take on it. One of two things. She could be very open at that moment in time for something to kind of show up and to uh, make itself known. Or she was to the point of falling asleep. Exploding head syndrome. As a scream? Yeah. Yeah. It can be. It can really take on any sound. Okay. It doesn't just have to be a bang. Okay. Um, I've heard voices. I've heard talking. I've heard screams. I've heard everything. Um, when I mean, you know, within reason. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's usually a startling sound of some sort. Okay. So, I'm honestly going with one of the two. I think it could actually be, and I'm not trying to debunk this. I'm just trying to give options for sure. what this may be. Um, that's my other option of what I think it could logically possibly be. And when I say logically, I think ghosts are in my logic path of, of options on this case. But just because it was so close to falling asleep, <laughs> refresh me. Did it continue on even when she was sitting there with her 
the, the blankets pulled up to her eyes or was she just scared because she had just heard it? I believe she was just scared because she had just heard it. Okay. If she was, if it was continuing on when she was awake, exploding head syndrome's out of the the mix. Okay. But if it was a, oh my God, what was it? I just heard this and she gets up and sits up. I, I, I lean way more towards that. Okay. Does a level of fatigue play into that? Like, yeah. Okay. Very, very, very much so. So theoretically going from assuming that this was like, I think she said the first week that she was there mm-hmm. going from our time to Iraqi time. And then throw all of the other things into the mix that's going on in her life and being sick that could easily have been part of that yeah so you may have lucked out you may not have had a ghost <laughs> or anything paranormal but, but we want to hear the other two stories yeah so please do uh please do share 855-853-4802 is our phone number if you like the show please consider supporting it and becoming an epp we need you uh, our folks to be epp so we can keep doing the show because it costs money to uh, produce this thing and keep it going so uh, please consider doing that it's only five bucks a month it's like the cup of, uh, cost of a cup of coffee and then you get all these free episodes uh, 32 of them now and then of course, you have uh, access uh, to brand new episodes every single week. So please check that out. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Uh, Lacey writes in, Hi, Jenny and Tony. I've recently discovered your podcast and am really enjoying it. I plan on becoming an EPP in the very near future. I thought I would share an experience I had in an old apartment I lived in. I want to preface this by saying that before this experience, I was very skeptical of the paranormal. I live in Kansas City, Missouri, and about five years ago, I moved into an old brick apartment building that was built in the late 1910s or early 1920s. My apartment itself was only about 450 square feet, and you had to go through my bedroom to get to the restroom and own the only closet. Due to the age of the building, I first attributed anything odd that happened to that. One night after I had been living there for a couple of months, I was lying in bed trying to sleep. Started to hear what sounded like things falling off my counters in my living room and kitchen. I yelled at my cat, thinking that he had decided to hop on the counter, knocking stuff off in the process. When I rolled over to go back to bed, I realized my cat and dog were both on my bed. I started to get scared, thinking someone had broken into my apartment. When I started to get up to go investigate, my cat started growling at something in the bathroom. When I looked up... I saw a man standing at the doorway between the bedroom and bathroom. He looked to be in his late 20s or early 30s. He was tall, skinny, dark hair, and green eyes. He was also wearing what I could only describe as a nice suit from the 1930s. It seemed that we both saw each other and started unable to move, were startled and unable to move for what felt like several minutes. Then he was gone. The next morning, my doors were still locked and nothing had fallen off the counters. My cat hid underneath my bed for the next couple days. Eventually, I started taking notice of lights flickering, things being moved around, and drafts throughout my apartment. All things I blamed on the age of the building and my own absent-mindedness. A few weeks later, it was my birthday, so for fun, a friend took me to a new AG shop. Is that right, AG? New agey. Oh, oh, new agey. Okay, I missed the word new. Huh. Yeah. New agey shop. I know that what that means. Uh, to have my tarot cards read. I don't really believe in those either. I thought it was kind of hokey, but the guy was nice enough. When reading my cards, he turned one over and asked me a couple questions. 
I can't remember what they were, but he was really concerned with what my answers are. He then proceeded to tell me that the cards had told him that I have a spirit with me, that it's not there to harm me, but is around and to be very aware of it. When I got home, I ended up telling the presence that I acknowledged he was there, but this was my home now. I let him know that he was welcome to stay as long as he remained a nice presence and as long as he didn't reveal himself to me again. I also gave him a name, because I said, if we're living in the same space, I may as well acknowledge you, and, uh, and Ghost Man doesn't seem to be too polite. After this, I noticed that single items would end up on top of my fridge. A single uh, headband, a record, a dog toy, etc. Nothing too big, but all stuff that I would never put up there myself. One time I'd been looking for a necklace and got upset when I couldn't find it. The next morning it was on the fridge of a fairly large record collection, and whenever certain albums played, the needle would go straight to certain tracks. This has not happened on these since I've moved. The only time that I ever felt threatened by him was the night a friend brought Sage over. The friend would occasionally watch my place for me when I'd go out of town, and he always hated staying there. So the night he brought it over and suggested the saging happened, my apartment got extremely cold and the lights started flickering and would not stop until I told Henry the Ghost Man that I would not sage unless he became hostile. He calmed down and my friend left immediately after. I believe that Henry the Ghost Man and I had an understanding. I'd say hi and bye to him, coming and going, and he would leave me, but not my stuff alone. I wouldn't mind going back to my old apartment to see if he's still there. To this day, I can still see what he looked like and the expression on his face in my head. Thank you for taking the time to read my story, Lacey. I'm glad you gave him a chance. He didn't seem to be doing too much other than moving stuff around, and I like how he especially had a kind of a hissy fit when you were going to sage him out of there. I, I want to know what the history is of Sage. Of Sage? Uh, as far as being a ghost repellent. Well, it's not a repellent. It cleanses the energy. It's not going to prevent something from coming in, but it's going to help you get rid of something there. So, I mean, so it it moves it out. It's supposed to. So now, it, it is kind of a repellent, right? I mean, that- No. A repellent would be something that keeps it from coming in. Oh, I see what you mean. So, this would be something that gets it out, but doesn't... Expellent. There you go. That's good. But it goes back to Native American and all kinds of cultures and their folklore and okay. their, you know, their rituals and everything. So, it's it's deeply rooted. It's not something that's just, hey, we decided in the 50s, if we start burning sage, stuff goes away. I, for a long time, and I know this is probably just my own ignorance, when I... I heard of the saging and everything. I always kind of associated it more so with like darker entities, like getting rid of the bad ones. I, I I didn't always associate it with getting rid of essentially human ghosts. No, see, it's not going to get rid of the bad ones. Not at all? The bad ones are going to need something stronger than sage. Cayenne pepper. No. <laughs> and not the sage that you cook Thanksgiving with. I wasn't going with stovetop. Yeah, well, you've always said that if you saged your house, it's going to smell like Thanksgiving. No, that's a different kind of sage. It doesn't smell like that at all. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in other words, a ghost person could not have a sage garden. It depends, I guess, on what kind of sage they're growing. It's true. And I think it more, it has to be burned. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's so you can't just have the fresh sage wafting through the house. No. Interesting. I, it's it's I don't know. It's always been kind of a point of mystery to me. Why? You know, why does it have this effect? Yeah. I, I, I just I went like, who discovered this? How did? And I know it goes way way back. So I don't know if you can even ever answer that, but. I'm going to Wikipedia that. Well, you know what? One of my favorite places to go to is Taos, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And sometime I'm going to take you down there because I have been down there and they have places where you can go and you can actually speak to some of the Native Americans that still live down there and they sell smudge sticks. Really? Yes, they do. And, you know, you can ask them about why do you use it and what's the history behind it and they'll tell you from their culture standpoint uh-huh. why it exists and why they do that it's really kind of neat what does a smudge stick look like it looks like a great big to me it looks like a great big bundle of dried weeds okay oh okay i can i know what you're talking about mm-hmm. interesting yeah yeah i'd love that i have so many questions Okay. I really do. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go uh, over to a caller. Let's go to uh, Danielle in Texas. Hi. Hi, my name is Danielle. I'm from Austin, Texas. And um, I have a few stories. I'm going to tell you one today. It started when we were really young. We're originally from Florida, Miami, Florida. And my parents were always really busy with their work. My um, dad worked in construction and my mom worked in the medical field. So my cousins and I would always stay over at my grandma's house. And um, there were about six, six grandchildren that would stay over. And then there was my grandmother, my grandfather, my two uncles, and one of my uncle's girlfriends. And, you know, so it was it was a pretty full house. The kids had the master bedroom, and we had bunk beds and loft-style beds in there. And um, it was an awesome room. We would always play hide-and-seek around my grandma's house. And the only stipulation that she had as far as, you know, where we could and could not hide was not to go into her room, um, which I guess makes sense you know she wanted her privacy and whatnot but the only time we were ever allowed into her room was when you know we were scared and woke up at night we'd go running to her room or when we were really sick with a fever we'd lay in her bed and you know just sweat it out in there um this time however we had a few neighborhood kids over and as a child, I was always really good at finding sneaky spots and, and and figuring out exactly where to hide. But everywhere that I had gone to, the kids were there. So I decided, well, no one's going to find me in my grandma's room. So I'm to this day, because of this, I am terrified of the dark. I went into her room as one of my cousins was counting outside. The sliding door was open. I remember running down the hall into my grandma's room and the door was, you know, it was open. She never locked it or closed it. It just, it was nice, cool and dark in there. And I made the mistake of hiding in the closet. Um, 
<sighs> I'm sorry, this story always gets me every single time. I hid in the closet and, you know, I was trying to catch my breath. I just come in running and I didn't really, I, I wasn't, I was, my eyes were trying to focus on the dark and, you know, make sure that they couldn't find me and that I was quiet enough. Well, once I calmed down a little bit and my breathing went back to normal, I would hear that I, I heard them running around, but like they wouldn't come into my grandma's room. And so I relaxed a little bit and I remember having my back against the wall. Um, I was a little underneath her clothing. So there was nothing on the floor right where I was. Um, my back was against the wall and I just remember getting chilled. And so I thought, well, I'm just, I'm just really excited for them to find me and I found such a good hiding spot. It's going to be so great when they can't find me and I win. I, that's what I announced the chills to be. I got chills and then I felt as if there was something in there with me and she didn't have any pets. So it wouldn't be, you know, a pet, a dog or a cat in there without a warm spot. Wouldn't be anything like that. Um, I hadn't heard or I can't see any of the kids. So it's not a kid in there. And I just, I felt kind of creeped out, but I really didn't want to give up my spot which makes me feel like an idiot. <laughs> um, and out of nowhere, I felt like something on my shoulder tried to grab me, and I moved forward away from the wall. My back had been against the wall. There was absolutely nothing behind me except for the wall. And um, I thought, you know, maybe it was clothes or a hanger or something like that. I moved my hands around there and there was nothing there. Just the wall and, you know, like the tips of her clothes, not even a zipper or anything sharp. So, um, kind of regained my composure and I put my back against the wall again. And then at that time, something grabbed me like against my chest, like where my sternum is. And it just felt really, really hot. And um, I was terrified, so I started screaming. And my grandma, she was in the kitchen at the time. And, you know, I heard her stop doing what she was doing. And she said, what's wrong? And I kept on screaming, and I was screaming for her and my grandfather. And it felt like something was holding me back against the wall with its hand on my sternum, the way you would hold a small child back so easily. And I heard her go into the room next to us the master bedroom which is you know the kids room and she couldn't find me and she came into her room and she she um opened the closet door and she turned on the light and I passed out I came to and she had me on her bed my grandfather took, had taken everything out of the closet and my grandma was cleaning me up she was cleaning me up because there was blood on my chest Something had scratched me in there, and it had, like, two claw marks. And um, she, you know, she's like, I heard her speaking in Spanish to my grandfather. This is why the kids should never go in the closet. And I told him not to go in the closet. Why would she go in here? Um, uh, and he was freaking out, and I didn't know what to do. And I was just like, I was, I was so scared, and that, I believe, was the moment I realized there's some scary shit out there. Even as a child, 
the dark is scary. The unknown is scary. Um, I still have a faint scar from that. It was fairly deep. And um, I remember my grandma calling my mom. And we went to the hospital for it. And I got stitched up. Um, my grandfather, when he took everything out, before he said before he took everything out of the closet, he looked to make sure maybe it was a piece of hanger or a wire, you know, those old wire hangers. Maybe I had gotten caught on something, but they couldn't find anything at all. And um, I asked my grandma about it later, and she told me, well, our house is haunted. And I was like, okay. So my idea of a haunting was like Casper, Casper the friendly ghost. And she said, no, your uncle has the sight. He said he was born with what looked like a web over his face. It was a vaginal delivery, and he was born with what looked like a web over his face. And he's been seeing shit ever since. Um, he says my mom, she said my mom sees things, and um, I see things. And a few years after that, I guess when I started noticing, it was when I started noticing things. I remember seeing a lady down the hallway, and she was in a really old-timey nightgown. She would come from my grandma's room and she would stand in front of the bay window where the formal dining room would be at and I remember seeing her from outside once and I was like huh she must have someone over like maybe that's a friend who's staying over and then when we were sleeping over I remember seeing her coming from the bedroom going to the bay window and then just like disappearing um and I have quite a few other stories as far as what has gone on in my grandmother's house, I have stories as to what's gone on in my mother's house and also stories from me being an adult and what's going on in my apartment now. Um, but yeah, let me know what you think of this story. I hope you guys like it. I love the show. I've tuned on a lot of my coworkers <laughs> to this show and um, I think it, it's absolutely great what you guys do. And um, keep on keeping on. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you for uh, calling in and sharing your story. I thought that was a really good one. Yeah, it's weird, though, to say you like a story like that. That's <laughs> like when you like a Facebook post that's something really horrible, horrible, just not because you like it, but just as a support. You know, support. Yeah. So I like it in that it's it's scary. Yeah. But I hate that, that you know, that's going to stick with her the rest of her life. I mean, physically, too, with the scar. She has the ultimate story to tell now. Yes. When she's uh, just meeting somebody. Hey, you're never going to believe this one. I mean, that's like, that's, you know, if you're at a party, good luck beating that ghost story. If people are sharing ghost stories. The only thing is she has to be careful because if they want to see the scar, it's like on her sternum. So that means, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to show the yeah. scar, too. But sure. no, that's terrifying. And that's a reminder that's going to be with her then forever of, hey, mm -hmm. that ghost thing. Yeah. Uh, Would you classify that as a haunting or something more? If it's something that's like physically harming you, I mean, it, it certainly is a type of haunting. But um, as far as uh, the type itself, you know, it's it's probably much darker. I almost think haunting is too tame a word for something like that. Yeah. I do. What, what would you want to call it? I don't know. But things like that or, you know, Amityville, some of the really bad things. Mm -hmm. It's like haunting is when you have a lady in white that comes out of the closet to say hi every now and then. But this is like 
you know, mm-hmm. when like, it physically hurts you, I think it takes it to a whole different level. Well, I think the action is, is more like a demonic attack or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that too falls under the umbrella of haunting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like here's the word haunting and then out from there is the 52 different types of hauntings. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it like, doesn't do it justice when it gets to be something of that nature. Right. Yeah. Very interesting story. Thanks for calling in and uh, and sharing it with us. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Chris writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. I've been listening to your show for a few weeks now after I was introduced by a friend. I'm a proud EPP and listen to your show during my lunch hour at work daily. I've had a few experiences with the paranormal, but I've decided to tell you a story I read a few years ago about my local football, which is soccer team. I'd like to... Make clear this is not my story, but I find it interesting and thought I would share. I grew up in Glasgow, Scotland, just a few miles away from uh, Parkhead, the stadium of uh, Glasgow Celt- uh, Celtic FC. Uh, in my earliest memories of visiting the ground, the team was coached by a fiery redhead club legend named Tommy Burns. Tommy had played for the Celtic between 1975 and 1989, during which time he was nicknamed Twists and Turns due to his ability to twist and turn his way past the opposition, and coached between 1994 and 97. In March of 2006, Tommy was diagnosed with cancer and passed away in 2008. Enough of the backstory. Here's the real story. In 2011, Celtic were playing against their biggest rivals, the Rangers, at Parkhead. On this night, a grandfather decided to take his granddaughter to her first game. She was only age six. Throughout the game, the girl seemed to be talking away to herself, knowing the attention spans that kids have at that age. The grandfather ignored this. At halftime, he took her to the concession stand for some soda and sweets. Upon returning to their seat, the girl looked puzzled and asked, Grandpa, where did the nice man go? Confused as he was sure the seat beside his granddaughter was empty, he replied, what man? She replied with, the man with the red hair. His confusion now morphed into worry. As the realization dawned on him, a stranger had been talking to his granddaughter, and he hadn't even noticed. The rest of the game was spent on edge watching for the man with red hair. After the game, they arrived at home, and the granddad, in a worry, told her parents about the incident. They approached the girl and asked her if she was who this man was, or asked her if she knew who this man was. Yes, she replied. He told me his name was Mr. Twists and Turns. She then continues to tell them that Mr. Twists and Turns used to work in the stadium, and he had a desk and his own special seat at the front. Make of the story what you will, but for me, I find it hard to believe a girl who wasn't even alive at the time Tommy was at the club could know such detail. Keep up the good work, guys. I'll write in again with some of my own experiences soon. Regards, Chris. Don't you wish the grandpa... Don't you bet the grandpa wished he could have seen the ghost? Sure. That's great. And it's it's interesting because the way that she described it is probably how, if if he had been alive, uh-huh. Mr. Twist and Turns would explain what he did to a six year old. Yeah, like I had a desk and I used to work here, and I was I was right up front. I you had know, a special seat down there. Yeah, it would be I mean, much more like, well, I'm the uh, you know the executive coach director or this or that. You know, and like getting into the, like sure, I don't know what that means. It's like I work here. I have the desk up front. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> you know, so that's how you can explain it to a kid. And obviously that's what he's doing in the afterlife as well. I think that's neat. He probably sits there and greets lots of kids. I wonder how haunted stadiums are. Probably pretty haunted. I'd put them up there with, you know, theaters and churches. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to think of it. I mean, there's so many people who that is their career, that is their life. A lot of times afterwards when they're done playing that professional sport, um, I mean, if they were smart with their money, uh, they could have racked up everything and retired. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them don't, but... Um, some do, but still just the, the passion, the exertion, everything that goes into playing a professional sport, you know, just the energy that is being exerted and all the passion from the fans. Right. It's just like, it's got to be like one of the biggest batteries for paranormal. <laughs> Surprise, there's not more paranormal activity that actually takes place on the field. Like actually involving in the game or maybe there is and we just don't know it sometimes. It's like, how did that Make that like that. Sure. Make that shot, whatever, you know, insert sport here. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, uh, and that kind of makes me wonder. No, I don't really watch many professional sports, but... No, you're kind of a fair weather fan. But there's... I've seen moments like that where it's like, how did that do that? <laughs> sure. Interesting. Uh, Jade writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. My name is Jade, and I live in Leeds, Yorkshire in England, and was listening to the episode where you're talking about the reincarnation article. So I thought I'd write in about my experience of reincarnation. My parents and grandparents always said that I was a strange child because of the things I would say. When I was two years old and could speak, I would repeatedly tell my parents that I was a little boy and I had a best friend called Elbert and that I was drowned. My parents thought this was really, really weird, not only because I cure peculiar things at an early age, but because since birth until the age of around eight, I was petrified of water. My mom would try and bathe me, and I would scream and scream and scream until they took me out. I didn't even learn to swim until I was around 11 years old because I was so frightened of water. Anyway, my mom and dad thought my strange ramblings would fizzle out, but they continued. I'd be perfectly adamant that I was a boy and kept talking about my best friend Elbert and the fact that I had drowned, but now I was saying that I was eight years old. One day, my mom took me down the street in our local town, Morley. On one side of the road was a library, on the other, a large stone building that housed offices for the church next door. I turned to my mom and told her that I went to school there and pointed to the stone building. My mom was freaked out because she knew that many years ago it had, in fact, been a school. I was three at the time. How could I have possibly known that? Another time, I and my nan, not sure if you have a word for nan in the USA, but that's an English term for grandma, were on a bus. We were going past a large church at the top of her street, and suddenly started waving frantically. When she asked who I was waving at, I told her that all my friends were coming out of the church and into the churchyard. My nan could see nobody at all. I would have been around four at that point. I remember none of these things, but I do remember that at the age of around ten, I kept having this reoccurring dream. I dreamt that I was at a stone quarry, but I was not myself. I was a boy. I was playing on the stones, and suddenly I tripped and fell into the water. I couldn't breathe properly, and the water was dragging me down. As I struggled to get to the surface, my trousers got caught on something, and I couldn't pull myself up to the surface. 
I was panicking, and then I felt sleepy, and just before I closed my eyes in my dream, I would wake up in reality. I had this dream for years and could never understand what it was all about. My parents had told me nothing at this point of what I used to say when I was younger. Then one morning at the age of 12, I woke up and crawled out of bed. If you walked out of my bedroom door, immediately to your right would be the bathroom. Every time I pass the bathroom, I instinctively look in. I still do this now. On this particular morning, I expected to find the same scene I encountered every day. The toilet facing the door and the bath to the left of the loo. So you can imagine my shock as I passed the bathroom, looked in and found myself peering into the face of a little boy. He was stood in front of the toilet. His mop of ginger hair was messy, and the first thing I noticed was his unusual clothes. He was wearing a white shirt covered with a buttoned navy blue waistcoat. Navy breeches extended to his knees, and the uh, remainders of his legs were covered with long, gray socks. On his feet were little brown shoes laced up in a neat bow. I saw him so clearly and stared at him for at least five seconds. I was not frightened as I could see nothing sinister in his pale eyes. Although I wasn't scared, I was shocked and I closed my eyes tight and screamed for my dad. He came running up the stairs, but I was not surprised when I finally opened my eyes to find that he was gone. The spooky thing about it was that he seemed familiar to me. I had seen his face before, but I did not know where. I had not seen him in my reoccurring dream or anywhere else, but I knew that I knew him from somewhere. Looking back now that I am on my, in my 20s, I'm not sure whether he was me in my other life or whether he was my best friend, Elbert, but he was definitely one of the two. I just know he was, if that makes, me, it makes any sense. It was after I saw the boy in the bathroom that my parents told me of the strange things I would say when I was young. Since that day, I've never had the dream, nor seen the boy ever again. Greetings from England. Keep up the great work, Jade. So, I'm thinking that the little boy that she saw was probably the spirit that she was leaving her. Okay. The reason I think that is because we don't know this for a fact... But assuming Albert didn't die as a child, he probably wouldn't be a ghost child. I see what you're saying. Or yeah. wait, Albert was Albert was the friend. Albert was the friend, and uh, our our author of the story here, uh-huh. I think, is under the impression that she had lived the previous life yeah. as maybe this ghost boy. Right, right. But I don't. I was just curious. I didn't know if we had a name for sure. what the boy what the boy's name was. I don't think we that do. That died. Okay, so not Albert. Albert, we assume, at least grew up past the age mm-hmm. of when the boy died. So you're saying that this would have been the the ghost of the boy that was in her yeah. coming out yeah, and then finally saying goodbye. Right, because then she never had any more dreams mm-hmm. and didn't have any more knowledge, you know? And it makes you wonder how often reincarnated people... You know, where you have a little kid that has all this knowledge of somebody's life into great detail, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. you know, who knew about the, the Hollywood guy who had an agency and everything, how often they outgrow that to where they don't have that knowledge anymore. Here's a question. Are people reincarnated or are spirits somehow 
latching on to new life as it comes out uh, and, and essentially implanting this information, trying to get someone to recognize or know maybe a piece of information that others did not. Meaning they're, 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 that, that person is, who's come is, is not that person. They're not the re-embodiment of them. It's that information that that spirit is trying to get out, and it's just, it attached itself at such a window where it could, where it was more open at the beginning. And it slowly kind of comes out over time. Well, it that was kind of the thought I had after the story. It made me question, made me question my whole idea of reincarnation Mm -hmm. you know if it is truly you are you know the soul carrying on and and living again or if you're being inhabited by a soul for a period of time Mm -hmm. because i kind of think that not albert but the the little boy that died i kind of think that was him leaving her Mm -hmm. so is all reincarnation one way or the other i don't know but it made me reanalyze what i would initially had ideas of reincarnation it does it's just one of those things where you you hear it and you're like well this adds a whole other level of questionability to everything sure and anybody who you know has studied that extensively that wants to weigh in please let us know what you found out Mm -hmm. because we've only scratched the surface of that 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Mary writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. I've been listening to you for about a month now, and a woman I work with has been on to me about sharing a few stories. I've told her to you. Uh, so here is just one of them. And just to give you a little bit of the history here about my story, that my parents married in 1952. They honeymooned in Niagara Falls, and there was a toxic waste spill, and they were part of the evacu- part of the evacuation. Skip ahead to 1981, and my father was diagnosed with a brain tumor. I was 11 years old, and my dad passed away in October of 1982. Not long after that, my mother was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and she too passed away in 1984. I was 13. On the day we had many, we had my mother's memorial services, I and my friend of mine, friends since we were four and still friends today, had gone into my house. All the adults were in the kitchen or dining room, and we were going to go upstairs to my room. To get to my room, we had to walk down a hallway and turn left to go back up the stairs. My friend had grabbed a banister, and we were both about to walk up the stairs at the same time. When I looked up at the top of the stairs, there stood my mom and dad. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm saying this because I just left my mom's funeral. I won't say I was scared because I wasn't. So I proceeded up the stairs, but my friend didn't. When I turned around after getting to the top of the stairs and looked back down, my friend was as white as a ghost. I said, you coming? And she was like, um, yeah. Nothing more was said about it. Skip ahead to about two years ago when I decided to ask her about it. And before I could even ask her one question, she was freaking out telling me what she saw on that day. As an adult, I believe it was my parents letting me know, uh, the baby of the family, that they were now together and they were okay. hope this wasn't too long and I'll write about another one of my family's stories at a later time. Thanks, guys. I think it probably was the parents trying to just convey the message that they were together again. And it makes you wonder if the toxic spill had something to do with the brain tumors later, since they both died of that yeah. at fairly young ages. And fairly close to the same time Same window. time frame, yeah. I had not heard of that. 
that it but there's a lot of horrific tragedies out there when i'm googling things i'm like oh my god this is horrible i must learn more yeah i mean i it's it's you know it's not that it was ever a good thing by any means but it, it, i don't know i i'm i'm somehow fascinated by these dark things i don't know why but um and it's kind of shocking sometimes cuz you you're shocked when you you hear about big things like that and you wonder well why do more people not know of this you know how is this not common knowledge i felt that way about the uh the disaster at that hotel in kansas city when i first yeah. learned about like how i've never heard of this i mean it was like the worst uh, uh building structural collapse uh up at, at the time uh, at the time um uh, until 9-11 um and hundreds, it was like a hundred some people were killed, but it was just, I mean, and I get, you know, corporations that own these buildings don't necessarily want to have building collapse Memorial Day at the hotel. They're still trying to run and fill, but I don't know, it's just kind of shocking sometimes. It's, it's interesting how time will kind of make some of that stuff go away if it's not talked about, or at least, uh, you know, the common knowledge of it, unfortunately. Uh, Puma writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm Puma from Texas, and this is my story. After I returned from the Navy in, 2000, in 2003, I started college, so I was staying with my mother for a while. The place she was renting was a back extension of a two-story house. The place was small with only one side door in the kitchen and living area that connected with a large bedroom and a bathroom. On the weekends, my brother and I used to stay with our girlfriends, and on Sunday nights, we returned to our home. One of those nights, when we got home, I reached into my pocket for the keys to open the door, but could not find the keys in any of my pockets. I told my brother, I think I forgot the keys in the truck. Can you go and find them? So there I was, standing alone, in front of the door, looking in through the glass panels of the door. Everything was dark, only the light coming through the windows lit up the living room as I was looking inside. I saw somebody coming out of the bedroom. I thought it was my mother, but it was actually a young lady. She was skinny and pale with long white hair. She was wearing a long, white, simple dress. As she was moving, she never bent her knees. It was like she was not walking, but gliding. She stopped in the middle of the living room. She turned in my direction to look at me, our eyes locked through the glass panel of the kitchen door. Her face was blurry, and I could not tell what the expression on her face was. We were staring at each other for a few seconds, and then she turned around and went back to the bedroom. I was not afraid, but surprised to have my first full-body ghostly encounter. My brother came back with the keys. I opened the door and went straight to the bedroom to look for the ghostly lady. The only thing I found was my mother asleep. After a few years later of us moving out, I asked my mother if she ever experienced something paranormal while living in that place. She said she always dreamt that three huge black dogs were standing outside the door of the bedroom. I'm not sure if these dogs were preventing her from entering the living room or were holding her trapped in the bedroom. For you see, my brother slept in the living room, and after having some encounters with something, he described as the devil standing in a corner. He started to sleep in the bedroom. So there, were, so there we were, all three of us, sleeping in one room, that's when something started to plague me every night at 3 a.m. Whatever it was, I was trying to it was trying to weaken me with sleep deprivation. I would have horrible nightmares, sleep paralysis. I'd wake up with loud screams in my face. The worst was the feeling of something trying to get inside me. What I felt those nights was not fear; it was pure terror. And the worst is yet to come. One night, I woke up to the feeling of a huge hand pressing the side of my head. 
We always left the bathroom light turned on at night, so all I could see was the wall I was facing. Then I started to hear the whines and cries of a young girl. It sounded like she was being raped by this huge thing that was holding me. I tried to move, but I could not. It dawned on me that this thing was mocking me, that I was weak and powerless to do anything about what was going on. The only nights I would get a good night rest was on the weekends when I would stay with my girlfriend. Not sure what the cause uh, was of the haunting. Maybe it was the gold crucifix I got from an aunt, or the fact that my brother was going to see a lady that practiced Santeria. I cannot remember when everything started or when it stopped, but what I do remember is that during the day, the place was so peaceful. Whatever it was, I am glad all that is in the past that the haunting stopped. It sounds like so many different things are going on there, Mm -hmm. and each person was affected in a different way. I wonder if it was a haunting to where it was almost like tailored towards what's going to be that person's greatest fear or get to that person the most. Mm -hmm. And so whatever was there kind of geared what it projected towards each person differently based on what they would fear most. Because you can almost argue or make the, the thought of, is it individual ghost, individual things that are going after it? Or is it one thing? Whereas you're saying, Mm-hmm. It knows these people, and it will take the form or attack in whatever way it knows will invoke the most terror into its targets. Right. Yeah. Very interesting story. Thank you for uh, for writing that in. 855-853-4802 is our number. Beth, hi. I've only recently started listening to your show, but I seem to have fallen in love with it. I'm from a really small town in uh, country Durham in England. A town which is full of ghost stories, some of which I may share another time as well as more personal encounters. So I moved into a new house with my family and one day I was changing my bed sheets as normal. I have extra blankets on my bed, so finding a sheet to go over it is normally a task. And I found a huge white sheet in my airing cupboard. I was really pleased because it wasn't as much of a hassle to get on my bed. That night things started to get weird. I was in bed, lying awake. It was about 1 a.m., and I'm sure I heard screaming coming from downstairs. I looked out the window to see if there was anyone outside, and there wasn't. So the next day, I asked my ma'am, and she said that she had heard it, but thought I had been watching something. It puzzled me, but we brushed it off. Then it happened again the next night, and again continued to do so for the next two weeks. Things got progressively worse. One night, my ma'am had gone to the bathroom in the early hours and had locked the door when the handle began to shake furiously like someone was really desperate to get in, and my ma'am thought it was me. The next day, she questioned me, and I freaked out. The same thing happened almost every night after for the rest of the two weeks I had this sheet on my bed, but it got louder and more violent, like someone was trying to smash down the door. So much so, we stopped going to the middle, uh, going in the middle of the night or left the lights on. Over the two weeks, more things happened. Things went missing, such as single jigsaw pieces and things were moved or broken. Two weeks later, when I changed my sheets, things calmed down. The screaming and banging had stopped. Later, when I took the sheet down to wash, my ma'am went pale and asked me what had I been doing with the laying sheet. Which is the sheet that you use to cover bodies when they die at home. Ah! That's why it's extra big. 
Ah, it's not just an extra blanket to feel comfy and cozy with. No. This sheet has been used to wrap the bodies of generations and more people than I care to even think about. My great-grandfather was to be the last person who had been laid out on this sheet. Why my grandmother gave this to my ma'am, I do not know, and I certainly didn't know what it was. I just thought it was a huge sheet. Obviously, this freaked me out beyond comprehension. The house has never felt the same since. I always seem to feel a presence, and it doesn't feel overly friendly. The house is built on an old mine shaft where many people have died, so I was wondering if the screams could be linked. I'd love to hear your opinions on this, please. I wish I could become an EPP, but I currently have, like, zero income because I'm in college. Please read out my story and tell me your opinions. Every year since in October, which was a month I had the sheet on the bed, there seems to be heightened activity for two weeks. Thank you for reading. I hope you found this interesting. Ew. That's all I got. It's one of those things where you're uh, you're at kind of a uh, unfamiliar setting, and you know, oh, I need an extra blanket. Let me just go get this. I mean, you don't really think what could possibly be going on here with this. You don't. That's the la- I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. So I mean, it's an innocent enough thing, mm-hmm. and you grab it, and like, yeah, yeah, you. It's not just a plain white sheet in it, the linen closet. It all makes sense. When I was a kid, and I was staying over at my uh, my cousin's house. Uh, on Saturday morning, get up, have cereal, watching cartoons. And uh, everybody just kind of got their own, if you will. And I didn't stay over there all that much. I played there a lot, but it was I didn't stay overnight a whole lot. So getting the right bowl for cereal was something I really wasn't too uh, in tune with. There's a right bowl for cereal? Apparently so. Apparently in this house, they keep the uh, cat bowls right next to where they keep the human bowls for cereal. So... I uh, I get my bowl of cereal and I come downstairs and we're we're watching Garfield and Friends, and uh, I'm eating my cereal, and they're looking at me strangely, like what are you doing? And they just laugh and they're not telling me what. You yeah. Know? So I sit there, I keep eating my cereal, and they're like, "That's uh, charcoal and Bessie's bowl." <laughs> Ew. I mean, it had been washed. So I sure. mean, it's completely clean. But as a kid, you hear that and you freak out. Oh my god. Right. So it wasn't necessarily a wrong bowl, but eat at your own risk. Kinda, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like it was somebody's some dead person. I thought you were gonna say we only use these bowls for soup, you know, or something like that. (laughs) No, no. We only use this one to cleanse the dead bodies of people that we find in the creek. That's gross. (laughs) So there you go. That's that's my relatability to that one. Eating out of the cat bowl. So. But that was a creepy, creepy story. Thank you for writing it and sharing that with us. If you like the show, consider supporting it, becoming an EPP, an extra podcast person. Gets you a bonus episode of the show uh, every single week and access to our past archive. 32 bonus episodes now. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. That's what keeps this show on the air. So if you like it, please support it. Thank you in advance for that. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.